revision.io. So, just before we dive into this topic, thank you for coming. Um, it feels a bit awkward uh, to have people behind my back all the time, so I will be turning. Um, and just for the rules, some housekeeping. So, these four chairs in the center are basically where the discussion happens. And if you want to join the discussion, at any point, if there's a free seat, you can come in, take that seat and start the conversation. There's one microphone that circulates within this group of four. Um, so only one person at a time can speak, plus me. So I can interrupt you. Uh, and I will if you, if you, if you uh, take up too much air. Um, too much oxygen here. So um, that's, that's the, the basic rule. If there's no free chair, then you can just tap somebody and this person has to get up and free the chair. Okay? Um, so please choose somebody who's already spoken to give everybody uh, the same chance to, to speak. Um, so since I have my own microphone, I want to... Um, use that opportunity to subject you to some of my thoughts around our topic, um, kind of like as a framing or as a conversation starter. And then once I'm done, without further ado, um, either you, you guys just jump up in a panic or you start a conversation. I would prefer the latter. So when I, when I think about, uh, or let's, let's, let's um, the, our topic is how how will blockchain influence or reshape ownership and power structures, if I remember that correctly? And, um, and uh, my, my thinking about um, when I, when I, anything that has to do with, with a future scenario, obviously I have to come up with a way I envision that future. And the way I envision that future basically is a future where we have solved the SDGs. Um, if I if I use any terms that that uh, you might not know, just raise your hand. I will ha be happy to elaborate. SDGs. Okay, sustainable development goals, uh, as described by the UN, 17 goals to solve um, so we can live on this planet um, with all the other species in harmony, uh, basically. Um, very very hard to achieve. Um, and I think it's, it lacks something very, very substantial, which is um, a human perspective. So what I, what I like to add to that mix is thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, physiological needs layer, safety, love and belonging, esteem, self-transcendence. And imagining a world in which every human being on this planet is equally wealthy on all five layers of this pyramid. If you overlay the 17 verticals of the, the Sustainable Development Goals with the horizontal layers of the, the Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, you come up with a, with a much more refined framework of how you want to achieve this future that you might want to create. And it also tells you that you have to start at the bottom. You have to start with the physiological needs layer, which basically... Um, because you cannot start building safety, love and belonging, and all the rest, unless the, the physiological needs, needs layer is solved. 
Now, the physiological needs layer at the moment, we, we try and solve it with something we call economics. Basically, the function of trying to source, refine, and distribute stuff ac across the globe. And we're doing a really crappy job at that. So every day we throw away about 100, uh, the food for 180 million people just in the US alone. Okay? So that's just one sign we could go on forever the entire day uh, with, with, with examples of how crappy we are. And so in order to be able to sustain 10 billion people on this planet in some sort of a balance, it is inevitable that we employ machines to do a much better job than us. And now, we need a, a number of, of um, technology that, that solves this. We need robots, obviously. We need communication layers, and we need interpretation layers, and we need sensor data. Now, the communication between those robots as informed by the sensors and an interpretation layer, which could be called something uh, artificial intelligence, in my view, will be something like blockchain, something that is distributed. That is a system that allows machines to negotiate at a very, very high rate, very, very, very efficiently, based on what we inform them about, what we need, what our needs are. This could be a framework of thinking of how this this uh, this future might come about. Now, what does that mean? This means that on a if we want to solve the physiological layer first, um, we need to put supply chains, transport chains, um, production, all of this on the blockchain, and this is actually happening right now. There's huge companies working on this at the moment. Now, this will have many, many side effects. And this is exactly what we want to talk about. And as a last remark before we start the conversation, I want to, I want to just highlight one, one effect that this might have. So imagine you need a bunch of, of aluminum cans. And you, you, can, you can either buy them in Germany, you're, let's assume you're based in Germany, or you buy them at a producer in Morocco or somewhere else. Now, the, the producer in Morocco, in order to compete, compete at the moment with the producer in, in Germany, um, needs to be much more efficient, right? But his access to money is much more expensive. So in order to serve you, um, he, he has to be more efficient because of that, because um, he, he, cannot, he cannot afford the same price structure as, as, the, as the German one. Once we put the, the, the value chains and the supply chains onto the, 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 the blockchain, this act need for access of expensive money will be eliminated, which means that the, the, the guy in Morocco can compete directly with the guy in, in, in Germany on, on the same ground, which will shift power, which will shift money, and by that, maybe also ownership of things. Um, that's that's the that's the power, money path that we could follow, and then, obviously, I haven't tapped the the the, the ownership. Um, just one one remark on this: um, 
it could be that we that we accomplish a structure in which we start creating demand in a very structured way and allow organizations that have the ability to to meet that demand to plug in their service hardware product whatever into this network but the network makes up the, its mind whether it wants this and it can then as a, as a community pay for that product and once that is that product is paid for the excess value created by the product will serve the community and that will change ownership forever so with that i'd like to hand the microphone to please quickly say your name before you start everyone and then dive in so like a quick introduction here um, my name is Evelina. Just a brief one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my name is Evelina Lavro. I, I do PR and marketing for blockchain companies and startups. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Stuart Rogers from VentureBeat, and I have a tickly cough, but I promise you won't get an ear infection from hearing it. My name is Sanke Misfeld. I'm uh, working for um, Ours.World, a supply chain intelligence tool, also giving um, uh, from farm to fork tracing um, on the blockchain. Beautiful. So whenever you guys enter the circle, which I hope you do, then please introduce yourself in the same way. So who wants to, who wants to take the word? Who wants, has, has an opinion on this? I really liked your approach of uh, taking this a little bit far more into the future because if we look at the current state, um, this we, are, we sort of have pseudo-economics. It's like there's theoretics that has been never really implemented. There has never been really Keynesian uh, or, or a neoliberal um, theoretic implemented in practice because there was always old power structures involved. And my background is mainly in the uh, monetary system and, and fiat money critics. And as, as soon as you dive into that, you will understand that as long as we don't change the financial system, the whole, uh, what we, we can do a lot of effort that will all not succeed until we have changed that. And I think this is, I, I, I dived into gold because that was the only real alternative existing before blockchain came. And now, Everybody all of a sudden has the potential uh, and, and possibility to create his own money and m we, we get a complete new idea of what money is. I, th I think for, for um, it, it, the group here it would be nice to elaborate a little bit on these, this, this, this um, notion or assumption on that we have to reinvent the currency system basically. Yeah. It is a historically born, never voted for um, money from banks, for banks, uh, banks issuing money out of nothing by credit creation. And this having um, basically uh, main disadvantages because there is an interest on interest on interest with an exponential growth on the money that forces our economy to constantly grow and constant growth and exponential growth on an end, uh, end, uh, resource limited planet is simply impossible. And this is why always uh, the banking system starts to give credit for uh, where, where there's no uh, asset backing it. And um, this always leads to the bubbles and this whole boom and bust cycle that is artificially brought into the economy by uh, central bank interest rate setting. This is not a free market uh, mechanism. This is, um, this is a, a centralized structure. And 
what we can do now and what Bitcoin started is is the idea of what money really is because we ne we never really thought that we always had money uh, given from the government in the beginning it was the kings giving us gold coins and 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 limit uh, and, and lowering the gold value and uh, nowadays it's just paper money or it's not even that it's just numbers digits um, and and basically the concept of money if you look at it into into it it's it's trust and this is what bitcoin and what blockchain is about it gives trust and we can invent complete new forms of money and we can securitize assets and and trade with um real estate um we could we could use real estate uh, someone sits over there who's actually doing that with brick blocks um i would be really interested to, to hear from you later um and we could use this uh, we could we could i could pay you today my contract for future buying of gold uh, now nowadays with a, a part of a of a real estate um so we this is very interesting every company can create its own own uh, money now and this will big time change how, how power structures in the world function the decentralization of money is in my eyes the, the biggest thing for for blockchain okay um, thank you what what are your views on this um well i'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit uh so we we have an inherent problem with blockchain and the inherent problem is this it is not like any other marketplace that we've ever had before If we look at marketing technology marketplace, it started out with less than a thousand companies that mattered, and they were all coexisting, and they are all making money, and they're all employing people, um, they're all providing services and products. Um, we now stand at a marketplace that has over nine thousand five hundred products that matter. There are over seven hundred mobile analytics products, and they all coexist, and they all live happily with each other. That doesn't happen in a blockchain world. In a blockchain world, where we currently have 12 um advertising fraud solutions that are trying to solve advertising fraud by using the blockchain once we all decide which one of those is the best solution to the problem we don't need the other 11 and so the ironic part about blockchain is that we're actually creating oligopolies because we only need one solution realistically per category it's the same with bitcoin bitcoin has become the prevalent cryptocurrency Ethereum has become the prevalent app store if you want to call it in in basic terms. So we end up with these systems where we have one solution for each problem as opposed to what you're suggesting which is creating multiple different currencies to act as uh, utility tokens most likely. Um the problem with utility tokens is right now pretty much 85 to 90% of all blockchain solutions are vaporware and so the utility token is not even being used for the utility it was designed for people are just buying them to see if they spike as an investment uh, because that's the only reasonable way to use blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies right now so if we think about that in terms of what is the future of blockchain um whilst the technology is moving incredibly quickly as all technologies do This is a technology that causes cultural change. And any time we cause cultural change with a technology, we're looking at least one generation or two generations before it becomes mainstream. Until my mum can walk down to any store and buy any product with a cryptocurrency and do it as easily as she can do with cash or with a card, we are going to fail at this. And unfortunately, as a final point so that you can jump in, um There are so many centralized organizations whether they be governments or whether they be banks or whether they be you know other interested parties that have so much power they do not want to 
give that power up. But we have a double whammy. We have cultural change, and increasingly we have regulatory and government pressure that is pushing, pushing, pushing blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies down and down and down because they don't want to lose the power we have. So we may be looking at a 100-year plan before we can actually make this work. Okay, you, you mentioned several um, several perspectives. I, I just want to um, would like you to dive into your first assumption a little bit more and elaborate on that a little bit more from two perspectives. You, you basically say that um, blockchain inherently ensures that uh, there will be a consolidation towards one in one category. Um, and you assume that this is not true for the internet as it is right now, the web. Um, there's nothing that I see in the, on, on the web that contradicts this. So there's, there's no reason why Alibaba won't buy Amazon and we will be settled with one for all in that category forever, basically. Uh, but it isn't so. Um, and if you, if you look at um, certain cultures, it actually has consolidated towards one. I don't know where to buy stuff except Amazon, really, online. Um, so I know there's a thousand other shops out there, but um, it doesn't 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 work like that. So so why why what is what is blockchain? What diff in what ways does blockchain differ from the web that you that you that leads to that assumption? And um, who owns this in the end once it has consolidated towards one? Okay, so so the assumption that Amazon is the winner in everything is is incorrect. So. Amazon currently owns approximately 55% of first product searches, so it is the place that people go when they want to find a product. I don't necessarily buy it from Amazon because Amazon is quite adept at increasing its profits by uh, putting the products out, um, using artificial intelligence actually, um, at just the right price. Um, and in fact, if you look at, uh, if you have a Prime account with Amazon and you're spending money on getting free delivery, you'll find that they recommend products to you that are actually more expensive than you need. Uh, because they're, they're trying to maximize their profits in order to make up that free delivery cash they're giving away. Um, we do still have many, 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 many retail um, organizations that you can choose to buy from online. And, and making purchases is different to the ownership of a cryptocurrency or to the solution to a particular problem in a particular category. You still have consumer choice on this side. On this side, we still only need one solution to do the job effectively. Um, in order for it to own that category, which is different to having choice in terms of retail partners and places to buy from. Um, so Amazon, of course, is the big 500-pound gorilla in this scenario, but many, 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 like thousands upon thousands of other retailers, including all of the big retail chains from the likes of Nordstrom and John Lewis, who have done an incredible job at reinventing themselves after 150 years of history, who have become one of the major online retail stores so I, I see all of that but the, but the question is why should it be different on the blockchain i don't see a, a real mechanic on the, on that differs with regards to the blockchain compared to web that enforces what you're saying we're already seeing it and we've seen it already in the history of the internet so we have all decided that google is pretty much the search engine that we all use every single day every other search engine that has come along whilst it could potentially coexist in some really tiny way. 
um, everybody has chosen Google. That's a platform decision as opposed to a retail purchase decision. On the retail purchase side, which is your example for Amazon, we still have consumer choice and we still have thousands upon thousands of huge companies that we can choose to go and buy products from. But on a platform perspective, in terms of solving an inherent problem, we are moving towards exactly what we've had with the internet before, which is one big solution per category that makes common sense. And who, who owns that? So, so in terms of Google, we know it's owned by Larry and Sergey. Right. So who, who, owns, who owns the categories on the blockchain in the end? I mean, the nice thing about blockchain and what I'm particularly excited about is this idea of decentralization. I'm so excited by decentralization, I decentralized myself. I, uh, I only own a suitcase and a backpack and I move around from city to city once every five days. So big fan of decentralization. Um, we all I'd own... Like, I'd like to, your, to see your distributed version then. <laughs> Where we all own effectively a piece of that solution in terms of the fact that we made collectively a decision that this was the one that is going to solve the problem the best. Um, and of course, because there is no central organization controlling that, um, you know, it, uh, it is very inherently distributed amongst all of the people that support it. My, my worry is that uh, with this need for the people that are in power to retain their control and power, we already have situations like China banning you know, ICOs and blockchain projects, Russia uh, stopping all blockchain projects, whilst they absolutely 100% work in the background to work out how they can control it when they unblock it. And whilst it, absolutely things like uh, the price of Bitcoin will skyrocket again once China says we're open for business, the problem with that is they'll be open for business on their terms. And so we may lose this idea of decentralized control because governments and large organizations around the world will figure out a way to control it. Okay. Evelina, do you want to react to that? So, so Stuart, you think what, uh, it's, we need more and more time, what uh, blockchain will accept all uh, organizations, all institutions uh, from, uh, I don't know, uh, for mass adoption? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Uh, well, I think, first of all, we need to think about uh, regulation. So all uh, markets uh, who participate in the markets uh, should uh, understand the rules of this game. Uh, and so it's step by step, uh, not in one day. Uh, it could be changed our life, really. So, but that that's exactly the interesting question. So, so what 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 does that mean? Understand the rules of the game. Um, so, so if you if you look at um, uh, a country like Estonia, um, that um, has used digital technology to their absolute benefit by reducing the cost of running a government to twenty to thirty percent of what we usually do. Um, but at the same time, they have a problem with uh, with the data um, being located in several um, counted locations around the globe, which um, is is a is a huge threat to them. So they are currently working on uh, putting that data onto uh, a blockchain in order to distribute it across across the globe. When that happens, um, like. All the other technology they have built uh, and are providing as a service to other countries, um, they can start providing this data layer, data storage layer, um, to other other countries, which 
in effect, it will be very, very hard, if not impossible, for, for um, countries like China to, to, to ignore and to own. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But Estonia is a small country. So, for example, it could be maybe much easier to, to accept some technology in Estonia. But uh, we need more time to accept that technology in uh, big countries like Russia, US, others, China too. So, maybe it's uh, not one solution for every country. So. I think we're talking here about uh, natural monopolies, basically. If you look at um, Amazon, there is there is a reason why we concentrate on one marketplace, because it is better for all of us if we have just all goods on one marketplace. Um, but it doesn't have to be owned anymore simply by two persons. Um, it can now, we can, we can define, uh, we can say, okay, Facebook is great. We all want one social network where everybody is on this one social network, but we don't want our data in their hands and we don't want them to do this advertising stuff with our daughter so uh, now we can agree um, on a consensus mechanism and there is of course there is w many many problems to solve and there's many risks like you say but what do we do with the privacy data how do we get that fragmented enough so nobody can can really track it down um, but I think there's very very good people um, working at this uh, problems and there's already so many different consensus mechanisms and I really think we will be uh, having solutions for that but I wanted to come back to the um, natural monopoly it is about efficiency if there is this artificial competition that we have in some places is really inefficient you have two science teams not working together but working against each other patents not being released because it would destroy the margin model um, so this whole new cooperative uh, options we get now from 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 blockchain um, maybe it is better for us to decide that we only need one social um, uh, uh, one, one social uh, platform uh, maybe it is better for us to decide that government is also a middleman and if we can cut out the middleman in many of, of the of the different sections mm -hmm. um, it is just about the set of rules and, and there I come back to having different models competing to each other but in a cooperative way to say okay we have a best practice model on Estonia for solving uh, digital identity um, let's implement that in Germany and if we do if we think we can do something different we take their uh, things and do something on top and maybe they will adapt from us um, that, that that approach requires us to make those decisions us being the people yeah um, we we don't seem to make be able to make good decisions we've uh, as as, a, as as humanity we've proven in the last couple of years that we are really bad at making decisions so that's when the elites I'm sorry the people never really had the choice. If you look at the American voting system, they never had the choice if they wanted to go to war. Interesting point, but um, how do we solve this? Because unless we solve this, what you're saying will um, not be able to, to, to be built. And just, we just have, we have a, very, a very short one, and yep. then, I, then I pass yep. it on. I think we will have a power vacuum. The old systems are currently really, really overstretched. Mm -hmm. Debt is over, over the level. We mm -hmm. will have currency imploding and stuff like that. And in this vacuum, there is this whole bunch of people thinking about how can we do our future better. And I think in this vacuum, there can evolve like really decentralized um, structures. There will be a big struggle. 
um, I can't tell mm -hmm. you how it will work out. That's mm -hmm. that's to us. That's okay. So we have a new a new participant. Welcome. Sure. Who are you? <coughs> my name is uh, Adiola Ogunwale, and I also work in marketing. Um, I thought this was really interesting that we turned towards this topic um, uh, because I was actually upstairs listening to the the panel that they had around democracy in the yeah. social age. And one of the great quotes that I thought was really applicable here was, design of technology is not deterministic. It is a reflection of our social norms and values of the developers. And so to your point mm -hmm. around who will gain access and control, I always feared this about blockchain, but especially around this conversation when it went towards a more commercial angle, um, it will ultimately just be a reflection of the social norms of those who are programming it. Mm -hmm. So we may move away from Google and Facebook owning everything to then whoever has invested in Ethereum. So one power monetary structure moving to another. And we're not really solving the problems of really giving equity. Um, I go back to your very original statement, though, because you were talking about the SDGs. Because mm -hmm. we went, again, towards more a commercial aspect. But if mm -hmm. we're really looking to do equity, uh, one of the things that you'd mentioned in the timeline was just saying, okay, we have these goals that we're looking towards uh, in the future. And we as humanity have struggled doing that in our current systems uh, because we know that humanity has a failing point. Mm -hmm. um, so we must use technology for that. And I question that. I don't know if technology is the solve, whether it's robots, whether it's distributed distributed uh, ledger technology because again nothing about this technology actually says anything to equity mm -hmm. it is just saying it's a new form of then trying to share resources how is this actually bringing in people who have not previously had a voice into this access point because we haven't mm -hmm. educated them we haven't actively reached out to them uh, we haven't actually um, provided them with the resource um, and mm -hmm. abilities to participate, mm -hmm. and I'm not certain that developers of Ethereum or Bitcoin are the ones that are just spontaneously going to then say, "I need to reach out to these new communities." Okay, so so just just one 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 sentence to one 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 of the points. Um, the reason why I said we need technology um, is um, we will be inherently it's inherently impossible that we may manage to live on this planet with 10 billion people without technology. It's, it's just not doable. And this is why we have to employ technology, employ technology mm -hmm. to do the stuff we needed to do. But this requires a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, the conversation you, you, we all seem to be struggling with mm -hmm. uh, of how to coin it. Okay, we have a new member here and then after that it's your voice. Uh, yeah, my name is Manuel yeah, Gonzalez. Just briefly, just just one. Once, once you've spoken, briefly your comment, and then you're welcome. Okay. Yeah, my name is Manuel Gonzalez, and I work at BrickBlock. We're tokenizing assets. And coming back to your point, um, I think before we even talk about ownership, we need to talk about governance. That I think that the biggest problem that we are facing is actually governance. Who, who is the one who is getting incentive? Um, who is making the decision in order to, let's say, incentivize the people that are part of a network or that are contributing to a network. So um, before we even talk about ownership, I think uh, the most, the most um, difficult problem that we have is actually governance. Who makes the decision? Is it meritocracy? Is it, uh, let's say, based on um, democracy? Um, what is the best? That's that's the most difficult thing to to answer. And 
we just need to keep trying and trying and trying until we find something that we feel um, comfortable with. But at the moment, the way that things are built is not meritocracy, is not really democracy most of the times. Um, let's say, for example, when we talk about Bitcoin or when we talk about Ethereum, who is the one who plays, who, who, who press merge request? Um, how, how do we, how do we uh, make sure that the person that is pressing merge request is the person that is doing everything in favor, for, in favor of everyone that is contributing to the network? Um, so I think it's a, the, the, the biggest problem is actually not ownership, but, um, but governance. So, so when you say governance, um, I, I want to go back to that point uh, a little later, but uh, when, you, when you say governance, um, and that we have to iterate over models of governance um, repeatedly in order to come up with one solution that might work, um, there has to be a fitness function. There has to be a, a, sumption, a, fit, a fitness function. A, a, a fitness function is uh, the, the measure or the target that you want to achieve with your governance. So unless we don't know what the optimum outcome of the optimum governance is, we cannot work towards that. We will never know whether we've hit it unless we define what we actually want to reach. So I would, I would, I would, I would, I don't, I don't want to deviate from, 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 from your points, but uh, I'd like us to, to also keep that in mind. Um, and I'll just leave you one final thought. I'm really glad you brought that up, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because there's one additional issue here. And, and please know, I'm absolutely a blockchain technology fan. I'm just, I'm, I want it to succeed, which is why I keep on throwing shade at it because. You know, frankly, we've got to figure these big questions out. And the biggest question of all is that blockchain inherently is a leftist ideal. It's social by nature. We know absolutely categorically that big chunk of the world does not want to work with us in this way. We have an entire United States of America that will not give a dollar a week to taxes to give everyone universal health care. So how are we going to get those countries like China, like United States, um, and many, many others where they do not share our socialist ideals to even get on board with something that effectively gives the power to the people when many of these countries are so controlling over their people that uh, in North Korea, for example, they still think they won the World Cup of soccer because that's what it said on the news. You know, we have these really incredible issues ahead of us that are just going to make uh, this uh, imp uh, implementation of blockchain technology much, much, much longer than we are even possibly imagining because in addition to cultural change, we have ideological change that is going to take decades to bed in. Probably and absolutely. Welcome. Who are you? Hello, my name is Trey um, and I'm a product manager. Um, I, I strongly agree with what you said. Um, I think... It looks to me that we we have this whole new set of tools uh, ever since the the blockchain um, became something that's more mainstream. But I I think I have a feeling that especially here everyone is very very optimistic about um, how the uh, ownership and power is going to be distributed, and I, I don't see that happening on a sh midterm or long term. Um, we have 
uh, what's happening now is that uh, a lot. I, I think we're just recreating Wall Street in, in another terms. Um, you, we see um, someone. I think it was well, someone uh, pointed said that uh, money is being rethought. And first of all, I think we have a few obstacles to to uh, to get through before we can call tokens money because we still didn't reach. Uh, we have this bump and dump uh, extravaganza still going on. We still don't have a, a decent stable coin. Um, we still n not able to 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 go do groceries with with tokens um, and. As we're coming towards that, we see that um, big companies and big banks are um, pitching in and they're, they're just acquiring more of that. So it's decentralized, but it goes back to centralization. And I'm really curious on how to... My question is, with that in mind, how can we use all of this that's available in order not to maintain ownership and power where it has been for so long. Before you guys answer to this, I, w I would like to um, add some clarification to the comment you're referring to. Um, because the way our currency system at the moment is set up, it's, it's basically created through debt with positive interest and backed by GDP. And this setup creates a reward system for externalization of cost because it rewards the inherent need of the we, we need to we need to create more money every year in order to sustain that cycle mm -hmm. we do that by increasing the GDP and we through that reward externalization of cost towards <clears throat> people and planet and this this is this is an emergent property of the current system. We don't know the emergent properties of um, other currency systems yet. Some yes, some no. But um, it's inherently different from what we're doing with, with cryptocurrencies and what we can do with cryptocurrencies because we des can design them to our own needs. That's, I think that's a crucial difference. Um, I also have to disagree with you and one of the things that you said um, and why is because right now with this with this technology anyone can participate anyone can be part of it me as a Venezuelan where I come from a government that restricts <laughs> my money and tells me that I cannot use my money I cannot exchange my money I'm able to use the technology which is um, it's um, the blockchain technology and I can basically get around it. Why? Because it's censorship resistant and I'm participating in the network. Also, and I want to I wanna tell you about what we're creating. We're creating a platform where people can participate in the creation of uh, wealth. How? By, for example, a Venezuelan guy could invest in a property that is based in Germany and he could invest $5 or $10, and he could, uh, let's say, um, hedge against volatility by investing in a, let's say, in, more, in a more stable asset, which is located in anywhere in the world, and it could be done by using this kind of technology. So I have to disagree because uh, I believe that with this technology, we can create a wealth that could include more people, and an example of that is me. I'm Venezuelan, I wasn't able to leave the country without 
um, exchanging my money. And thanks to blockchain technology, I'm able to do it. Make a quick comment. Um, I, I'm really glad that this enabled you and other people to do so. But if someone from Venezuela can, can uh, put five or ten bucks in this, you can imagine in a, the arm wrestle that it is, if a big company can do that times a million, times a billion. So yeah, yeah, but before I wasn't able to, before I didn't have the opportunity to, right now I have the opportunity to participate in wealth that before I didn't have to, before I wasn't able to participate, let's say, in the creation of the new Facebook or the creation of the new whatever um, company that you can imagine of. With this technology, I can participate somehow, maybe, depending on the regulations, of course, um, but still, it allows people to participate in networks that w they were not able before. Um, so that's why I have to disagree. I'd say something that kind of ties this whole discussion is our expectation about uh, blockchain. Because uh, I think one aspect of this is that we're waiting for blockchain to be like the home run solve. <laughs> to say like, now that we have blockchain, we are going to fix currency issues. We are going to fix access for everything. Um, and part of why I made my statement before is like, eh, I don't think it's going to fix everything. But it is a mechanism to gradually make a change. So yes, big corporations will still exist. Yes, the elite will still exist. But we have made an incremental change by having this technology to say, you now also have that aspect of, of being able to participate because we didn't have that before. So it may not be one that's like a huge fix now, uh, but if you think about the concept of a currency that is truly cross-border and does, is not tied to a state entity, is radical. Like, whether it is still within the hands and bounds of other people or a different group, it is very different than state-controlled. And right now, all of our currencies are very state-controlled and very much in the hands and manipulation of a certain group of people. My last statement before I, I jump out of here is I wanted to go back to your original um, thought around ownership versus governance. I disagree with that one. I, I think ownership is a actually at the center of this because in order to have this incremental change of using blockchain to actually take us forward, you need participation. So something to own to be a part of this. And so whether it is we don't have enough people actually participating, because if it is just the technological elites that are being a part of a blockchain solution, then we literally are just servicing one community into another. We're not changing any bounds. We're not actually adding anything to it. Uh, I think, but, but the other part is there are many people who don't own things in, in that aspect that you would need for being a part of blockchain. Yeah, and so what... Nobody, you you may, you may, but I think having an ownership stake is one that is still driving a lot of the decision making in blockchain. Now, maybe that will change in the future, but right now, whether it is one token is your voice and owning is a part of that piece, I think ownership really drives a lot more than even the, the governance structure that we'll build. Because I think being a participant is a necessity for governance. Okay, thank you for that point. Manuel, you want to respond to that? Yeah. I can feel this. Well, basically, depending on the way, depending on how you program things, the way that you own things could impact mm -hmm. on the network. Just want to, unless, not somebody, unless somebody else wants to pitch in, you're welcome to stay here. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I disagree. Why? Because, <laughs> for example, you can participate in a network not only by owning something, but by, let's say, creating creating um, value. For example, 
um, let's say in um, in a mark in a market how is it called Augur, for example if you participate as a person that is saying um, yeah the the election was won by Trump for example you earn you earn something and you don't have anything but you're earning something by providing something so it completely depends on the kind of mechanism that you're participating because you can be participating in let's say in mining and you don't have anything you don't need to have bitcoin in order to participate in mining and in order to verify so it's not about ownership i think i think it's about the way the system is built and the way that the governance is built for incentivizing people to participate in the network i think maybe i'm wrong but that's the way that I think. <laughs> um, I I also uh, agree that it, it gravitates to ownership at some point because um, you can see this as an example in real life how a lot of democracies are so frail because they um, ultimately become hostages of uh, big corporations and foreign money and this is uh, pretty much a lot with what's happening currently in a lot of countries in, in South America and what happens is people there's a lot of people who are willing to trade um, decision-making for for ownership for money for it, it can be money as in dollars money as in um, as in tokens but people are very much and unfortunately people are very much willing um, to do that trade and if, if just just a second please let me finish um, and what happens is uh, once if if you give a big uh, if if you make a different way of incentivizing if you make um, if you propose uh, a different way of uh, compensating the people in order to drive away those big players um, I'm sure they will be strategizing in order to to find a way to to that for that to be also within reach of them. We have, we have a newcomer. Uh, who, who do you want to tap? Manuel, sorry. Welcome. Who are you? Uh, my name's Joe. I'm a journalist and technical writer. I write about blockchain and cryptocurrencies. And uh, yeah, I'm just interested. What just putting it out for discussion? What you think about? Um, the incumbent, say, I write about finance, the incumbent financial institutions actually taking this technology and using this technology, which is happening now. I've, I've spoke with people, I, actually it's I, all off the record, I couldn't really say, but it's happening now that banks and exchanges are, using, are, are developing this technology and going to use this technology. And what, what do you think the consequences of this could be? They're obviously using it for profit and speculation. They can't the actual cryptocurrency market is too small and there's um, uh, credit risk and also um, know your uh, customer and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'm just interested. Point out what you think. I think it is uh, the, the most adequate representation of a blessing and a curse. I think this will help with the mainstream adoption of cryptocurrency. Um, because one of the, the biggest reasons why most citizens, most people don't understand blockchain and don't get it is because they don't see the practicalities. 
um, having worked in blockchain and, and being a part of a lot of these organizations, we still struggle with explaining it. Um, and so if you have, I'll give American examples, the, the Goldman Sachs's of the world, the JP Morgan's of the world saying, we're using blockchain in this way. And so now as a consumer product, you see X, Y, and Z. It's horrifying because it's old institutions taking a new technology and implementing it um, for their own purposes. But it is making it widespread in terms of seeing what the application can be. Because like I said, this is not going to be a home run. This is going to be incremental change. Blockchain is not going to solve selfishness and greed all of a sudden. So greed will still maintain and exist. There will be private blockchains, but there will also be aspects of public blockchain. So for me, I can see it being a benefit, but we'll still continue to have some of these legacy systems profiting off. What what you're referring to, and and you you just said that, um, is the question whether it's going to be private blockchains or public blockchains. Um, so, what, in in your view, would happen if uh, uh, the J.P. Morgans and uh, Goldman's and etc. Uh, would adopt um, public blockchains for what they're already doing? How would that change things? I think, from a transparency standpoint, we all win um, because we've been so used to gover- private uh, private public partnerships of the government and the banks <laughs> just essentially writing their own rules and then asking for what information that they need and that the public doesn't have that access to information. Um, I still think they'll probably find a way to manipulate it for their purposes, but it'll just be harder. Again, transparency is only a benefit to everyone. Now, I think there's a lot that we need to do in terms of literacy and understanding of it, uh, because you can clearly see, and again, as an American, sometimes transparency doesn't actually affect change. There's great transparency in terms of bad things happening, but people aren't um, taking action from it. I think we've covered a wide range of, of, of topics. If um, and we're coming to a close, so there's about five minutes. Could left. I just make a small comment? Just one second. If somebody else wants to pitch in now, now's your time uh, for some for some closing remarks. Um, Go ahead, Trey. I would like to more or less illustrate this concern with, um, r- like, right now, the only custodian that we have available for cryptocurrency is provided by Coinbase, and a lot of hedge funds are not coming in because um, they're not safe. I mean, this was happening more or less every week. You could see a major exchange from a country go down because of privacy issues. And now it's happening more to uh, once a month, which is still very concerning, but we can see that it's trending downwards to to being more secure every time. Um, But having custodian service is key for uh, for you to have major players coming in. And right now, uh, JP Morgan is working on a solution to to provide that service. And and this is one example of uh, how this is gravitating to just back to whoever had the power is still going to be in there. And there's also, uh, to to a little bit illustrate what my my opinions with facts, there's been this this whole conspiracy theory with Bitfinex, and there's this one person who's doing uh, a lot of trades to control the the price, and it seems like it's working. It's uh, it, it is a conspiracy theory, but you can see the numbers and it checks. So if if you do own a lot, it still matters a lot. Okay, uh, we have a new member here. Um, Welcome, Tatiana. Tell us, <laughs> tell us who you are. Uh, briefly, my name is Tatiana. Hello. Uh, I just wanted to add to the comment that she was saying. So, I mean, 
From my perspective, there are various theories of change, and you can understand that from a private perspective, from a public perspective, or there are also a wide range of applications such as cooperatives and so on and so forth, right? So from, in my opinion, uh, blockchain doesn't really tell, give as much, um, doesn't in, innovate at all, actually. So it's just about the policies. Um, in essence, it's about code is law, right? So when you think about this as regulations, um, what sort of innovative uh, business models, what sort of innovative uh, regulations are you coming up with? How are you reorganizing the structures that you're then copy-pasting onto um, a distributed ledger that allows you to accelerate this process, right? So this acceleration can come from anything from the um, private perspective, cooperative perspective, uh, public perspective, and everything <coughs> that ranges from one point to the other. So, uh, yeah, various theories of change. It's all about your imagination, you know, what <laughs> sort of applications you want to give it to it. And uh, business models, laws, anyways, that's it. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sasha. Hi, Sasha. Um, a little bit more of a general thought here. Um, I think um, there's a common tendency in um, technologically interested advanced uh, circles to uh, combine social problems with technologi technological problems and to uh, kind of try to um, delegate the solution of social problems to technology. This has never worked in human history. And we need to differentiate what are the social problems we are trying to get at and what are the technological problems that remove the friction for people to implement the social solutions. Technology okay. is about and removing friction. And, and how, how do you see blockchain fitting into this? So what, what, what social problems do you want to solve? Well, honestly, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know yet. And I don't, uh, I'm still waiting for really good, uh, actually also business models for blockchain to appear somehow. Um, we're not there yet. Uh, this is mostly, uh, blockchain is mostly still a technology in search of a problem. Okay. Uh, so with the example with uh, with Lehman Brothers, uh, for example, so I mean they are just another business model with great social applications, right? Because let's not forget that economics is a social science in the end of the day. So when you're redistributing or thinking about how you can innovate in their business models and the social implications that these have, um, this is one of the applications that you may be able to give. Let's, let's give Joe the word because he hasn't spoken. Yeah, I've, I've just put out a few questions. I think one. There's a lot of assumptions um, about what the technology, about its potential. And just going back to the financial service industry, from what, what I've heard, they don't know if it's going to work or not. And um, it's in its very early stages. So I just put it out as a question for everyone. Um, what do you think about um, this uncertainty about we're in a very nascent space and we don't know whether it's going to work and also what about unintended consequences of the technology and given its um, history of it as being um, a, a, you know against central points and uh, it's more radical history. I'm pretty sure that Zink has uh, some, something to say to that point. I think we have been granted a, a, a gift here. It's a tool and tools can be used in many different ways. And governments will create their own cryptocurrencies and they will be like a hammer on privacy. And at the same time, we, have, we will have competing um, uh, private uh, companies or, or public companies. And, and in my eyes, this technology is 
certainly out there to really make a big change. And, and technology did solve most of the social problems in the last century, actually. If you look at what made people's life better, it hasn't been politicians being uncorrupt, but it has been technology really serving day-to-day -day problems. And I think uh, a private blockchain uh, in the end that has been done by the financial system is not as efficient as a public blockchain. And this, this is why in the long run, I, I'm not saying that there won't be struggle in the middle and we will have like political fightings really about this if the government will uh, give, a, give, a, give away a little of its own power mm. and if the lobbies will lose control. Mm. Um, this, is, this is about the public to, to really, this is about us to inform the rest of the public and to have a social movement coming out of this by making people understand not what blockchain, how it functions, but what it can actually do. Mm. And it gives us trust in data. And the different, the internet gave us the connectivity uh, of the world uh, over, the, over the whole planet in, in real time. And uh, now blockchain gives us trust in, in data and the ability to peer-to-peer -peer whatever transactions we want to have and, and contracts. And I would like to, to leave this with a very optimistic out, uh, 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 overview or, or, or a perspective. I don't know, I'm missing the word. Projection. Uh, yeah. um, the... The old structures are very, very inefficient. You started with this. The economics are dysfunctional. And now we have this disruption coming from the ground. And I think people that have been coping with this in the head, they will not bend down and say, okay, um, now I give everything away of my freedom. Thank so you. That was a beautiful closing remark. Uh, unfortunately, as you've uh, noticed already, we have to come to an end. Um, Thank you all for participating in this so actively. Um, it was very, very interesting. And um, to me, it feels like um, we're just at the beginning still, um, 10 years into that story. Um, but um, uh, I'm also very pos uh, positive and optimistic about uh, what we can use it for to build a good future. Thank you, guys.